podcasting from Heroes Media Group with real, relevant, and raw opinions. This is the College Sports Hour with your host, Clint McPherson, and co-host, Greg Dixon. Welcome back, everyone. This is episode 19 of the College Sports Hour. I'm your host, Clint, and I'm sitting here, like always, with my partner in crime, Greg. What's going on, brother? Dude, it is as cold as I have ever been in my entire <laughs> life, and I don't mean that as an exaggeration, man. I told you before, right before we started this thing, I woke up this morning, and the wind chill outside was negative four degrees. Listen to me. There should not be a negative in front of any number when it comes to temperatures outside. Uh, I would agree with you on that, man. I'm from <laughs> Tallahassee, Florida, the home of the Seminoles, and guess what, man? We don't have four seasons there. You know, it's like, it's hot, <laughs> right. it's, it's, right. it's warm, and then sometimes, I mean, you get a week or two where it's like really cold but other than that it's called chili yeah it's it's called chili right (laughs) this right here and i'm not even near you you know i mean we're four hours away or something like that dude it is ridiculously cold i didn't even go outside today other than throw out the trash that's how cold it is (laughs) it's starting to pile up in the corner of the house over there exactly man it was me and tristan here um but at the end of the day man this is like you said it should be illegal man this should not be this cold and hopefully i don't know if you're on propane like me man but i gotta make sure that thing's filled up no like, i'm not on propane i got the electric going on but it just means that when the power goes out which is has a tendency to do <laughs> uh we lose it all so oh. i mean we got to be ready <clears throat> all right man that that we all got to be ready and let's 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 get ready to talk some college football and college basketball brother let's do it man because this is not a weather podcast this is a sports podcast <laughs> exactly so on today's episode guys we'll be talking about the notable high profile college football quarterback carousel currently going on as well as the star power we should have heading back for the 2019 college football season with the quarterback situation after we talk some college football we'll transition right into what's going on currently in the college basketball landscape and with most of that discussion focused on the AP Top 25 teams. With that said, guys, let's start off with some college football. Let's jump into it. In case you missed it, a lot has happened in the past couple months, guys. So if you're under a rock, hey, get out from <laughs> under that rock because no this, qu- this quarterback situation is ridiculous right now. And not just with backups that have never actually played, never actually taken a snap in a collegiate game, but the guys who played and had some success, man, and now they're all finding new homes. Yep. It's, so, uh, man, it, it, it's unreal. I mean, look, <laughs> the uh, national championship game, uh, Clemson winning, man, that's in the rearview mirror, man. It's time for us to move forward and start looking at 2019. And 2019 is starting to shape up uh, very uh, very different than what we saw for this past season with a lot of quarterbacks. No, without a doubt. I mean, we saw this as a trend, right? A lot of these transfer quarterbacks going, at, jumping here, jumping there. It, it's, it's becoming the trendy thing to do. Right. So it's trending upwards. But like this year, more than ever, it seems like 2019 is if you if you played somewhere, you were not guaranteed to (laughs) start there. Yeah. And then especially with how high profile some of these quarterbacks were 
thought of coming into some of the teams they landed on, and now they're just jumping ship left and right, man. Exactly, man. It's a it's it's kind of crazy to think about that some of these teams came in as the high profile, you know, backups and and a lot of a lot of fanfare, a lot of people talking about them, and then you know before they're before they get a chance to play a snap in their senior year, they got the guy they got the backup for them coming up, starting to nip on their heels, man, and and supplant them as the uh, as the starting quarterback, and then they're kind of left scratching their head a little bit. Yeah, and, and the the cool thing about some of this transfer situation, you know, players like Jalen Hurts, Kelly Bryant, they'll be allowed to play immediately, man, right. because they're graduate students, right? And right. so while others like Justin Fields and Tate Martell, dude, they're going to have to possibly wait and see how this hardship waiver, that's basically what they're going to be waiting on, a hardship waiver to even see if they're eligible to play in 2019. So it's still a big risk, man, when you jump ship like that. Man, I don't know how you feel about that, man. But I tell you what, man, that 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 really grates on my nerves a little bit. There, that man. I, look, I don't I don't care where you're transferring from and where you're transferring to. You know, the reasons for that right there is a whole different conversation. But the fact that you got to sit out and you got to wait a season as punishment because you transferred that blows my mind. Especially when a head coach or any coach for that matter can leave his job, no matter how many years are left on his contract, and go immediately to another school and start recruiting and start coaching immediately. That makes zero sense to me. No, I'm with you on that man I really do not like the fact that the, I, I see they do that for stability but at the end of the day you're, you're punishing a dude for transferring schools because something didn't work out right um or, or if he played whatever it is and he has to sit out a year that's just ridiculous to me like you said I just don't think that that should be the case I I I 100% agree with you. If a, if a coach could do it, a player should be able to do it. Ab- absolutely. I mean, look, you, you know, you could throw reasons out the window because coaches leave their, you know, their their post for a variety of reasons. Well, some, I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, hard on hard on them for for leaving or anything. But if you're going to sit there and you're going to do it, much like you said, then man, don't don't be punishing these these young kids who <laughs> their their college window is is small as well as you know they're they're trying to make their way to it. All of them are trying to make their way to the next level. So I mean, don't don't punish them for that. No, I would agree. I mean, with that small window, it's like when you have to sit out a year, possibly. Uh, that, and... that, that could be everything. <laughs> exactly. So as we're talking about this, we noted six quarterbacks, and, and I'm sure there's there's plenty more that we can dig oh, sure. into. But yeah. some of the more high-profile um, names that come to mind off the bat, you know, and, right. and, and especially replacing some quarterbacks that were high-profile themselves. I mean, the six quarterbacks I'm talking about, we're talking about Jalen Hurts obviously going to Oklahoma. We're talking yep. Justin Fields going to Ohio State. We're talking Kelly Bryant going to Missouri. We're talking Tate Martell going to Miami. You know, Brandon Wimbush going to UCF, which is huge yep. for them. Yeah, yeah. And then Austin Kendall going to West Virginia, man. So these quarterbacks find themselves replacing, if not better quarterbacks. But it's like it seems like these teams are just reloading with, with still quality people, you know, at, at QB1 spot. Well, you're looking at it, and I mean, look, let's let's be honest with you. I mean, everybody's still looking at Clemson, and everybody's still looking at Alabama as the top two teams in the nation next year. So, if you're going to be one of those teams that's hopefully thinking about making it into that college football playoff and being able to knock off one of those teams, you can't come in there. Uh, you, you can't come in there with just anybody. You need somebody that you know that you can trust with the rock. You need somebody that you can trust to to make some big plays. And a lot of these guys, well, at least for you know Jalen Hurts, Kelly Bryant, those two, and, and you know specifically, they've got that pedigree where they've been in those big time games, and they and they've proven that they can win. No, I, I would agree. So let's start off with Austin Kendall, man, that's going okay. to West Virginia. So he's coming in, and is he going to be the guy that actually can fill those shoes from the previous quarterback in Will Greer that was there? You know, this yep. is a replacement 
that they're bringing on and it's and it's going to be hard right and and it's hard and, and crazy that that will greer uh, i hated what he did towards the end of that year right right Basically sure. sat out but i got it nfl whatever but man kendall became a high profile transfer quarterback when oklahoma tried to prevent him from staying within the conference and transferring right. Right. to the big 12 yeah. west virginia i mean that right there that that's another thing that if you don't want them transferring in conference, at least let them transfer out of conference without sitting out of the year, right? I tell you, I tell you what, man. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100 percent on that. Don't <laughs> you're out there, and and your and your job as Oklahoma is to put out the best product that you possibly can. You're going to recruit the best possible players that you can. Um, correct me if I'm wrong here. What was the time frame on on Austin's uh, decision to transfer and the whole uh, Jalen Hurts situation? Had he had he committed to Oklahoma yet before before Kendall ducked out? No, yeah. So he basically well, it was one of those things when he heard that he was coming. Okay. It, it, I'm out, yeah, so, right? So he was and, he was out at that point. Okay. I think yeah, the I writing's it. on the wall, so he yeah. he knew that I have to I have to bounce, right? So if they're bringing Hurst in, which let's not let's also not kid ourselves, they also Oklahoma also has this amazing talented freshman coming in. Um, uh, he's got some really cool name, and I can't remember the kid's name, but anyways, he's a highly touted recruit as well. That's coming in as a as a freshman uh, freshman, and so there's uh, there's going to be some competition there, or at least I'm sure Kendall felt that way and knew that. And then you're you're bringing in uh, Jalen Hurts to come in there. You got to be thinking that they're promising this guy a starting job if he's if he you know he's got all these other clubs that are out there all these schools out there so I mean Oklahoma man you can't block this kid from from leaving and I'm I'm glad they backed off of that but let me also say this if if you're if if Lincoln Riley is going out there and recruiting other players and he's got you sitting on the bench and Lincoln Riley has kind of become this a uh, little bit of the quarterback whisperer after having you know Kyler Murray and also having Baker Mayfield sitting up under him I I, I gotta wonder if if Austin Kendall's got it or not. Well, yeah, I mean, but you got to look at it. I mean, Baker Mayfield, you know, Kyler yeah. Murray, Austin. Yeah. You're not going to be able to hold a candles to these guys, right? I agree. <laughs> I agree. But if you're, but if Lincoln Riley's out there recruiting, heavily recruiting Jalen Hurts to come play for him, and he's already got somebody else waiting in the wings, it it, it would lend me to believe that, yeah, Austin Kendall, you're not fitting into our program here, and uh, and I don't think there's much there in the cupboard. No, I mean, I think he's still good. He's he's he was he's a high profile quarterback. I think he's going to be what West Virginia needs to kind of fill in that gap. That, I mean, because that's a big loss. I mean, I, oh, obviously, sure. yeah. with, with, when you have a quarterback like Will Greer d- having a season he had and, there were, and, and being a gunslinger like he was, this is going to be huge shoes to fill. But I believe at the end of the day, Austin Kendall could help definitely bridge that gap and, and, and really help West Virginia right off the bat. We'll, we will wait and see on that one, man. But uh, yeah, West Virginia's got some. <laughs> West Virginia's got some big shoes to fill. West Virginia's got an, an interesting season coming up, and I'm sure everybody in Mountaineer Nation is going to be looking to see uh, what this cat can do. Definitely. So let's talk about Brandon Wimbush. Okay. Going and transferring to to Central Florida. So when you look at it, the transfer news was sort of lost in the shuffle of all of the stuff that was going on with Kendall, with right. Martell, and Hertz. That all in the same week. And it, I believe it's one of those things, again, it's UCF's way of saying that the odds might not be that great that McKenzie Milton even comes back in sure, 2019 yeah. from that horrific injury he suffered. I did see a video of him uh, that he was sitting there doing leg presses already, man. This Which kid blows has my a, mind, yeah. This kid has a brace on, obviously, but he's yep. in the gym or he's in the therapy or whatever and, and, and sitting there and doing leg presses. Obviously, it might only be like a pound, but dude's yeah. in there regardless. And, and 
and it, it's just amazing to see that. But what kind of shape will he be in? Will he ever be able to play football again? That is that is the big question. And I just want him to make a good recovery. But you're bringing right. in Brandon, right? And sure. so Brandon was the guy that lost the job to Ian Book. Right. So if he's not good enough <laughs> to be the quarterback at Notre Dame, right? how much of an impact? He's he's still a good player. Got it. He's right. going to be a yeah, good quarterback. Yeah. Is he going to be able to make an impact against AAC competition? I believe so. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think we're, I think everybody would agree that you know that yeah, that it's not like UCF is playing against you know top-notch competition or anything like that out there. I, I do wonder how well Wimbush is going to fit into their offensive system. Uh, you know, he doesn't seem like the, the style of guy. Uh, he's, he's obviously a very different player than Mackenzie Milton. Uh, you know, it's, it's not like he's going to he's going to and, and I, I just don't know. I mean, it's not like he's going to do the exact same things there. Um, I, I, I wonder, and I'm not I'm not trying to question the guy's character or anything like that, but I do wonder about his leadership ability because I mean, you know, as well as I do. You know, it's one thing to grow with players. It's one thing to go up there. You know, you're in there since day one. You're in the gym. You know, you're building all this camaraderie. It's like another thing completely to come into this position and to come into a school where everybody's already, you know, on the inside. Everybody kind of knows anybody. And you got to come in there and win everybody's respect, win everybody's trust. So Brandon Wimbush has got a lot of work to do. Oh, he does. And being a career 50% passer who averages 6.8 yards per attempt, you know, coming after McKenzie Milton, I mean, man, you got to watch out. It's like you're going to have to get better, right? So you're going to have to do better in that system that Josh Heupel and, and his team implements to be better and to be to keep your team up there to in the talks of the top group of, of five team. And, and really, when it comes down to it, dude, you're just going to have to step up, make some yeah. completions because you're going to have playmakers. Central Florida has playmakers on that team. Right. And so the, he's going to be surrounded, and, and the offense is set up for success, right? And so I, it could be a plug-and-play offense, which is going to be interesting to see if, if Brandon Wimbush, they can plug him right right in, and he could pick up where you know Mackenzie Milton left off. You know, it's not like he's walking into an easy situation either because, I mean, the, just the entire program at UCF there, you know, they're, they're still going to be under that microscope because everybody's going to be – everybody's kind of pointing the finger right now and saying, see, with that loss to LSU, you didn't deserve to be in the – you know, in the conversation of a national champion or anything like that. So we don't want to hear any talk out of you. But at the same time, you know, they're looking to kind of, re- you know, begin a whole new win streak uh, for this program and get themselves back into a competition where, where people start to believe once again in the Knights. Yeah, it, it was just a matter of time before they lost that game, right? And, yeah, sure. And we were all waiting. Um, it, and it happened. And it, it didn't happen against the Scrubs. LSU's a good team, good defense, not a good, yeah. great offense. But at the end of the day, they lit UCF up and scored a lot of points in that game. So LSU's not a bad team. And, no. and you can't hang your head for losing that game. And they went on this crazy streak that nobody saw coming. They right. did it, and obviously if they want to do that again to continue to get the love, they're going to have to continue some momentum. But I don't think that one loss really pumps the break on what that UCF team was doing, period. I think I think it, as long as they get a quarterback, and, and a quarterback is a the key, right, to a lot right. of these colleges. If you get a good quarterback, you can compete with anybody. It just I that one out of everybody that we're going to talk about that one's the head scratcher to me. That's the one I'm kind of looking at a little bit. It's yep. like eh, uh, that one just doesn't seem to fit. Yeah, and so another surprise was the number the number four guy we're talking about Tate Martell going to Miami. Man, yeah, this was reported. This was one of those things that you know he's trying to become eligible on the basis that Ryan Day's takeover as Ohio State's coach was why he leaves Columbus. 
right? And, and I got it. it <laughs> the whole cube, the whole the whole shuffling going on there. We we get that, but I really think Miami capitalizing after letting or not letting after Mark Rick decides to leave, right? And then capturing their old defensive coordinator. <laughs> right. I mean, that was huge. You know, probably the the longest hired Temple head coach ever. <laughs> he he hadn't even his cup of coffee hadn't even gotten cold yet. No, I, I don't even think he put on his shoes to leave and get on the oh, plane to go to Temple. Word. Right, and that was insane. But at the end of the day, man, they 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 made. They made a great move because that's we talked about it on the podcast. They should yeah. hire this dude, but he already signed with Temple, right? And we're like, oh, okay, we we rolled him out. Yeah. And then and the next thing you know, the next day, I think he's like, yeah, my breaks. <laughs> <laughs> so I just think all that set is set up for him to have a good run. I mean, he's he's head, heading into Coral Gables to get coached by a guy who has been, has been behind to attack Viola, yeah. Heisman Trophy runner up season. So he's not he's coming into a good situation. Yeah. And, and I think Miami, you know, even though they, they had a terrible end to their season, I just think they're better. They have better players than they actually performed, right? And I, I just right. think at the end of the day, the new court, the new coach coming in with a new quarterback, we'll see how it works out. But I, I, I just think and I believe with Martell being a former Gatorade National High School Player of the Year, he can definitely sling the rock. Yeah, and, and we haven't seen him do that significantly in game action just yet, which is why he's not that high on the list. But he's still somebody we got to talk about. Sure, yeah, I think I think you're t- I think we talk about him because there's a lot of potential there, uh, and and you partner him up uh, coming in there with Eno, so uh, you know in that system that there is the chance there for for really some magic, especially uh, on the opposite side of the of the division from Clemson uh, yeah. there in the ACC. Uh, Miami, I, we all we we recognize that the cupboard's not bare. Uh, there, you're right when you say that their season certainly didn't go in the direction that they wanted to. Still, uh, the question marks surrounding uh, Mark Ritt's uh, re- resignation and trying to, and not not really seeing that coming or anything like that. But uh, man, they they still have the potential there for a for a solid defense, and if they can get, and you know, look, we we made note of it. The coaching carousel, I mean, not coaching, the quarterback carousel that happened for this team last year, you got to think was one of the reasons why this team didn't succeed, man. They didn't seem to ever be able to really solidify themselves with that position. If Martell can come in there and be that guy, be that solidifying force there, uh, you know, and be and be somebody they can count on not to turn the ball over, to help manage the game, and also to make some good plays because they're going to be putting themselves in a position to be able to do that. Uh, we saw that happen with Tagovailoa uh, there at Alabama. We also saw it with Hurst uh, as well. So, I mean, you know, this, guy, this kid's going to have a chance to really make a difference for this team. Yeah, I think he has a talent. I, I, I'm 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 excited to see what he can do with Miami because even though I'm from I'm from Florida, right? But right. at the end of the day, there's two teams that I despise, and that is Florida and Miami. But <clears throat> I I can respect them, right? When sure. I when I see the state of Florida just in chaos and struggling, I want to see them do good to a certain degree. I don't right. hold a grudge to where you know, like Duke fans, never hey. want to see North Carolina win. Hey, you know, there's a reason like, for that. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I got I it. Respect, I can respect the program and not want to see them win. And it's not <laughs> like if I, you know, it's like if I pulled you right now. Do you want to see Miami win a national championship? You would say absolutely not. No, probably not. See, but okay, hey, if they're right. the, if they're the lone wolf to represent ACC, I might be like, go ahead, Miami, win this thing. I have lost all respect for you right now. <laughs> I got you, man. But let's move on. So let's move on to Kelly Bryant, which is another big story. Oh, man. So he go, he ends up landing yeah. in Missouri, right? So this is the quarterback that Trevor Lawrence, you know, he, and this is just fact. Okay. 
You mean national championship winning Trevor yeah, Lawrence? I'm talking okay. about national championship okay. winning. Just thought I'd ask. Yep. Obviously, no. he didn't win it by himself, but <laughs> no, no. he is. If you watched him play in that game, got nothing but mad respect for this kid. And at the end of the day, you can say, Dabo Sweeney, you made the right decision. Sure. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, what I, you look at it from every angle. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, and and Dabo said it. I think it was right there in the national championship game. I think right there after they won it, the question was posed to him: How difficult of a decision was it to go from Kelly Bryant to Trevor Lawrence there in the middle of the season? And he talked about being one of the hardest decisions that he's ever made because he liked Kelly Bryant. But when you compared apples to apples and oranges to oranges, and you compare talent to talent, for him and for everybody else looking around now, it's a no-brainer. Trevor Lawrence was the guy to go with. So you got. Kelly Bryant is no Deshaun Watson. Right. And he's not going to be the next Drew Locke by any means as far as passing ability. Right. and Because he's Kelly Bryant. He's, that's who he is. He, he can run the ball, though, which yeah. he's a mobile quarterback, which is good. Yep. He's an intermediate passer, which, isn't, which, is, which is okay. Um, and he does struggle from time to time with his downfield game. And, and so right. that's really the biggest knock, I think, on him. Yeah, but man, and that's not just something that we're saying. Those are facts, and so we have the statistics to prove some of the things we're throwing out. Right. But at the end of the day, it's one of those things that you know where Derek Dooley's offense asks for quarterbacks to complete a ton of intermediate passes. It's going to play to his strengths, which right. I think at the end of the day, it's a good fit. And I think Kelly Bryant kind of solved the writing on the wall there. When, when we had, you know, Auburn's were in the talk for possibly landing Kelly Bryant and some other mm-hmm. other teams. But I really think he felt comfortable with – I think he looked – and I want to say the coaches looked at his strengths and weaknesses and probably sat down with him and helped them realize that it's not that bad of a fit and this is the best place and the best opportunity for him to thrive, you know, come into his senior season. When, uh, when I think about a guy transferring out of Clemson and looking to go somewhere else – my immediate my immediately thought is going into okay this kid is going to look to transfer to some to somewhere where he can prove everybody wrong and win a national and, and and still win a national championship and then i heard that he signed with to and agreed to go to missouri okay so missouri is not <laughs> winning a national championship all right I, I don't think anybody is is thinking that that's getting ready to happen but i but you are looking at this thing of from uh, from kelly bryant's perspective who's going to make me better Who's going to help me, you know, in the, you know, help me to, uh, you know, show my strengths and improve on some of my weaknesses as well. He's not going to be throwing a, a ton of deep balls, I don't think, but I do think playing in this kind of system and this kind of offense is going to help him be able to throw a better ball and be able to be a throw, have a higher completions percentage uh, going into this thing, and is going to help, and going to help kind of mold him a little bit. Uh, you know, he, he's going to get a chance to play. Obviously, he's going to get a chance to to play against top tier uh, talent there and uh, against uh, against some uh, SEC. Rivals. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. I, I, I really, I really don't know. I wish Kelly Bryant all the best, um, but man, I, I tell you what, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I really think another strength that he has, and something that he was sold on, was that they have the three of their top four pass catchers returning this right. this year. So he's going to have plenty of playmakers to distribute the rock to, and so I really think that was another reason that he chose this this offense because again. The intermediate passing game that that um, Derek Dooley um, pushes out, and then plus having the f- three of your top four uh, yeah. playmakers from last year uh, to throw to—I mean, that's huge. 
I, I mean, yeah, I agree. I mean, he's got he's definitely got some security blankets there that he's going to be able to de- develop a, a relationship with and some chemistry with. And we'll see what happens with that offense. So let's go. And, and this was one of those things about about some back and forth between Justin Hurts or, or Justin Fields, sorry, and Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Right. So Justin Fields ends up going to Ohio State. And it's one of those things that who has the most upside between these two, between Justin Fields and Jalen Hurts? Obviously, Justin Fields, no doubt about that. But it's one of those things that I still think the question mark of success at Ohio State, because we saw what they did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that's one of the things for me. This kid's good, but this kid ends up, you know, obviously – he was put in some awkward situations there towards the end of the year for Georgia. But this <laughs> yeah, guy's sure. a former five-star recruit, and he's a baller. Yeah. I mean, he's I guarantee he's gonna he's gonna put up huge numbers in this day in day system. And and so it's one of the best seasons ever for a Big Ten quarterback when I look when you look at it. It's he's gonna have a huge statistical season as long as he can go out there and be the quarterback everybody thinks he can be right right uh, yeah. but but this offense that he's running into or going to take hold of is is set up for success for him to have big games yeah uh i tell you what he was uh, this uh, this was kind of one of the more not not the fact that he went to ohio state i mean of all the options that were out there and and people looking at him, Ohio State's a great place to land. But the fact that he that he left uh, Georgia uh, will, uh, was kind of was kind of interesting to me because I was sitting there wondering, especially after uh, after the, they lost uh, against Alabama, after they lost against Alabama, and then after they had lost to um, to Texas, I was beginning to wonder if Jake Fromm's time uh, was coming was coming to an end because throughout that season yep. there were a lot of people who were calling for there to be go ahead and make the replacement and let's go with Justin Fields at this point in time. So uh, the fact that they, you know, obviously they're going with Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm's got a lot of potential. I mean, they're expecting him to be a great uh, pro quarterback there. But this is two years in a row where we've seen them come up short uh, and not be able to to cash in the chips to become national championship champions. And so I really thought that Justin Fields was going to be the guy they were going to go ahead and make that move. Uh, obviously they didn't, and he's moving on to what he appears to be in greener pastures there with Ohio State. Obviously Justin Fields hasn't started a collegiate game yet, but yeah. – he was not used correctly when he was used as a wildcat quarterback in Georgia's offense for Jim Chaney. Right. I mean, not the the greatest of moves. I can see them trying to use his athletic ability. Right. But let this kid read some defenses. Let him throw the rock. He didn't get that many chances to do that. So when it comes down to it, him being st- – he's still young. Obviously, you know, he, he has a year under his belt. He just needs mental reps, and, and, and he needs help help with dissecting these defenses and picking up these blitzes, which could be something that he struggles with right off the bat. But hopefully Ohio State takes an approach that, that, that helps him along with that. But at well, the end of the day, when, when Ohio State, they lost four of its top four receivers from a season ago. So right. it's not like he's going to have a huge – amount of experienced playmakers around him uh, as far as some of the others on this list like we just finished talking about with Kelly Bryant but it's one of those things that this guy has a lot of up side to him but at the end of the day it's like you have to have playmakers too to make you even a better quarterback because you look at what Tua did this year had a great season but look at the players he had around them you know Kyler Murray sure Great yeah. player had some great, great people catching a rock around him. He did sure. a lot of stuff himself, but no doubt. I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you got to have yeah. those playmakers, right? Football is one of the ultimate team sports that are out there. I mean, you got to have everybody 
Uh, and it's certainly not dependent upon just one person. I mean, one person can make a difference, but the whole game isn't going to rest on them. Um, I, 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 but as far as going to Ohio State is concerned, uh, obviously Ohio State always has dreams and visions of a national championship running around them. But it's not like they play in one of the toughest conferences in America either. I mean, you know, you look at the Big Ten, and we saw how, uh, you know, <laughs> in their in their championship game, it was Ohio State versus Northwestern. And as high as we were on Northwestern, it's not like that they are this powerhouse around the country or anything like that. Uh, so, I mean, you're going to have a tough game against Michigan, maybe, uh, or is or is Jim Harbaugh just going to continue to choke away Ohio State games? Uh, you got Penn State there, who may be elite next year, maybe not elite next year. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, but I mean, it's not like that they have the toughest conference or the toughest schedule either going into next season. No, uh, I agree. Let's move on to Jalen Hurts going to Oklahoma, man. So this is a quarterback that I really think we we talked about it before. He's a good quarterback. Oh yeah. I mean, if you want to go ahead and throw the twenty six and two record out of the window, <laughs> I mean, because we have some data on this guy, right? Some of these other quarterbacks aren't proven yet. Right. This guy is a proven winner, and yep. that doesn't mean he's not going to struggle from time to time, and, and in some of the situations he's put in. I mean, if you look at when he was at Alabama, he never had really consistency for coaches either. I mean, yeah, they yeah, have a coaching carousel. Yeah, yeah, they have a coaching carousel that happens every year it seems like now you know and even more this year so i think him leaving was his best bet and i think him landing in oklahoma was even better he had there's a lot of things possibly leaning towards miami you know right but i really think this oklahoma move is a real good move for him Uh, you know i I do have a question now does this make jalen hurts the uh the front runner to win the heisman next year i mean you know yeah i mean lincoln riley has absolutely i'm just saying i'm just saying i mean you know we're just going to continue to follow the trend here i mean and i guess i need to place my money on jalen hurts at this point i mean when you look at it he has the record to go with it right and so he could he could easily be in the conversation if he could work some magic out throughout the whole year like he did in that georgia game i mean i can see him working out and then putting him in positions to be successful. I mean, you're looking at it. I mean, even if, it, I mean, you got we got to think about this. This is a former SEC Offensive Player of the Year. Right. And and even if he doesn't win the Heisman, you know, it's something <laughs> to consider, right? Because Lincoln right. Riley's offense, he has been the offensive coordinator coach at Oklahoma for the past four seasons. <laughs> and what has he produced? I mean, his, I mean, his track record. Goal. Yeah. Right. You look at it. I mean, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, re- I mean, ridiculous. And so yeah. his track record is perfect for Jalen Hurts and to set him up for success. Jalen Hurts has also played with a with normally a, a really good defense behind him as yeah. well. Um, and he sure. is not going to have that <laughs> when he when he goes to Oklahoma. He will play if he playing against different competition, high scoring, uh, high scoring yeah. offenses on the other side of the field. Yeah. And so uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he can put up some of those numbers. He's, I mean, look, he's not going to put up the same, you know, PlayStation numbers that, uh, you know, that, that Kyler Murray was putting up this year. But can he consi- But can he be the thrower that they're going to need him to be? Uh, I, I think so. I mean, I think, the, I mean, the guy, I, the guy, I think, has proven that that he's a winner and that he can throw the ball. He he wasn't as good as Tua, so you know, you lose the starting job. Okay, I got no problem with that. But I would still say he's one of the best quarterbacks, you know, that are going to be going to be playing in the country next year i mean i agree with you does he go out and throw for 40 plus touchdown passes or 4,000 yards like his former predecessors did yeah probably not right but at the end of the day like you said he's going up against big 12 off defenses and True. so and that under lincoln riley 
that I, I think that's just going to be he's going to have huge statistical numbers I still believe and he's going to have probably his best statistical season as long as he can go out and do that like you said it might be some high scoring affairs the defense might not hold a lot of people to under a certain you know but at the end of the day if as long as you score and Oklahoma proved that throughout the year right you know as long as you score more than another team hold the John Madden quote you're going to win right you win <laughs> So to, 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 to transition the, the conversation, let's talk about this, the talks of the quarterbacks in college football doesn't end there, right? So we got, right. I believe 2019 is going to be, everybody says it's the year of the quarterback, but I believe 2019, when you look at it from the, the evidence we've seen some of these quarterbacks put out, I mean, it's there. The yeah, drama, right. it's, going to be complete, it's going to be fun because everybody's like, oh, Tua and, and, and Trevor – those are the, your top two front runners for the Heisman. They can go back to the national championship next year. Great. Yeah. But man, when you look at the list of names of quarterbacks that we're going to have on the field this year, it's going to it's ridiculous. Right. I mean, you're you're 100 percent right. I mean, you know, you take some of the guys that we've been talking about. You take the two that seem to be at the top tier. Uh, it's just going to be one of those years where we start looking around and, and <laughs> uh, for those of themselves that can make themselves eligible for the NFL draft. If you're looking for a quarterback, uh, you know, next year's draft may be a year to position yourself to be able to take one. Yeah. And let's look at some of the quarterbacks that are coming back. You got Justin Herbert, which basically he's he basically stiffed arm his first round projections and said, dude, I'm coming back to Oregon. Yeah. So that right there, that's huge. And, and when I and when I say the the year of the quarterback in 2019, because we're going to start getting into some of these names, Trevor Lawrence, who just right. won a national championship, Tua Tagovailoa, who helped lead his team to a national championship the year before and played in the national championship and had a hum- ridiculous season, is coming back. You know, he's right. going to be a sophomore, but we got. Quarterbacks like Dwayne Haskins, you got Kyler Murray. Obviously, they're off to the NFL, but man, you got Ian Book for Notre Dame, and and the list goes on and on. Justin Fields, which we just talked about, Jalen Hurts, Um, Drew Locke's obviously gone, but Kelly Bryant's coming in there, and then a lot of people we haven't been talking about. We got Jacob Eason, Georgia's old quarter, one of Georgia's backups or quarterbacks has been sitting, he, he he transferred to Washington. He's been sitting behind Jake Browning. I think right. they've needed Jacob Easton last, this, this past year. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> Jake Browning didn't, you know, he never, it seemed like he hit his ceiling. But at the end of the day, man, you got Jake Fromm in Athens. You got yep. Shea Peterson coming back, you know, for his senior season from um, to Michigan. You know, right. KJ Costello. It, the list goes on. Sam Ellinger, Adrian Martinez, man. This is when I say the year of quarterback, Nate Stanley, I mean, Brock Purdy, the Purdy party. The Purdy party. Dude, I like it. I like it. I mean, I mean, we could keep going, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a ton There's a ton of guys right here that aren't getting a whole lot of fanfare. They aren't getting a whole lot of love. Uh, you know, you, you, you know, you mentioned Sam Eilinger from Texas, uh, you know, uh, Brock Purdy. Man, remember the, uh, Adrian Martinez? Those guys were first-year starters this year, so they've got a year starting up underneath mm-hmm. their belt. And, man, there is going to be a lot of uh, a fanfare coming their way for the way that they played this year. I mean, you know, you think about it. Brock Purdy was a third-string quarterback coming into this season, st- took that starting job uh, about two weeks into 
of the season, man, and and had Iowa State on a roll. So, man, there's going to be ex- some expectations from him. Sam Eilinger and the way that they handled Georgia in their in their bowl game and some of his comments that he had <laughs> after the bowl game, uh, there's going to be some expectations on them. Nebraska having this rebuilding season coming in there. There's a lot, of, a lot to like about Adrian Martinez as well coming out of that. So there's going to be a lot to talk about for the guys that are at the top of the line that everybody's talking about and the guys that ain't getting a whole lot of love right now. Yeah, and, and let's mention some of the group of five quarterbacks coming back that, that are probably going to make a huge splash and a watch out. You know, you got Mason Fine for North Texas, Hawaii's right. Cole McDonald. You got the Eric King, which had a huge season for Houston. He He's mm-hmm. going to be under the new coach, Dana Holgerson. And, and then you got Desmond Riddler from Cincinnati. He had a huge year. Utah State's Jordan Love. So we just got to keep an eye out on these guys. And when I say this year, and it seems like we always say it, this could be the year of the quarterback because you have people right. like Kyler Murray and stuff. But, dude, when I say the year of the quarterback in 2019, this might really hit the nail on the head with the type of talent and the quarterbacks we got playing under center this year because they're all talented, man. They are all talented. They've all and they've all got some. They've all got some things that they can do to improve here in the off season. And they've all got some things. You know, I expect them all to get better as they come into next season. And let, you know, providing us with a great opportunity to watch a really good college football season and watch some really good uh, quarterback play as it comes into next year. Without a doubt, man. So that brings our college football segment to an end. Now let's transition. We had a big week. Oh and man. It- Crazy week in college basketball. So yep. let's switch topics and transition to college basketball right now. All right. The AP Top 25 came out today. Yep. And a lot of shuffling going on, man. <laughs> a lot of, right. like I said, when yep. I say crazy, we watched some games. You know, we, we texted back and forth and we saw a lot of this happening. I didn't expect a lot of this happen, but man, it's almost like March Madness in full effect. Already in January, right? Oh, I, I, absolutely, man. I mean, I, it's, it's, it's one of those things that you're sitting there kind of scratching your head. You're looking around and saying, man, what could possibly happen next? What could be the next uh, shoot a drop as the, <laughs> things are going to happen, man, with the, with the number one and, the, you know, through the top ten coming out? Obviously, I'm a Duke fan, so I'm, it, 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 it was a bad – it was a suffocating for the, uh, for the most part of the week, man, not feeling kind of sick to my stomach. It ended out okay, but, yeah. man, it was, a, it was a rough week to, to begin with. So, Tennessee – Congratulations! They're the new number one. It, it seems like we—that's a musical spot right now, right? Because we we do not have a consistent number one, right? There's not one that just is is the one that stands out above all the others. We're going to continue to have this this number one carousel throughout the season. But Tennessee is your new number one, and they Associated Press Press's men's basketball top 25 that came out today they climbed two spots to earn the first top ranking since the 2007-2008 season that's big yeah man they i mean they earn it they deserve it for this week uh i mean you know they they've got they've got some good things going for them they got some really good players they've got some great standouts that are going in there they're playing really good basketball uh and one of the things that we always say about college ball is that you got to have a really good coach they got rick barnes as their head coach so i mean you know they're uh they're they're rolling in the right direction they play in a decent conference there they got some uh, some tough talent there with kentucky and auburn nipping at their heels so ten- tennessee definitely deserves a number one ranking for this week yeah without a doubt and and i like what rick barnes said earlier like today you know the guys playing right now built this thing i mean the guys that he has i mean it's strong and and they come out with 48 of the 64 first place votes um so that's huge but so following after that obviously number two duke received 11 of the first place votes and then you have virginia received three and then um number six michigan state two gonzaga and michigan rounded out top five so when you look at it 
there's a lot of expectations following the Vols into this season. You know, right. they have their top six scorers back from a team that shared the SEC title. Uh, and Tennessee had, had his highest preseason ranking at number six and was eyeing a deep NCAA tournament run in Barnes's fourth season. So for them to live up to that hype and get to where they're at right now, it says a lot for this team. So something, so obviously something that this team has going for it is that they are an experienced team. I mean, it's not a team of a bunch of freshmen and a bunch of one and dones. So you would think, you would think that this team would be ready to handle those expectations. But there is something to be said now. You're no longer hunting. You're now the hunted. Mm, uh, yeah. You know, everybody's gunning for you at this point in time. You now have that number one slot resting in front of your name. Mm-hmm. So you are going to get everybody's best game. You are going to get everybody's punch in the mouth when they play you. Not to say they haven't so far. Not, I mean, they, you know, they, they, they were number three going into this week. So I mean, it's not like that they haven't been ranked up there in the top five, and everybody's got a lot of expect expectations on them. Rick Barnes has been here before. Uh, these guys, they, they, they've got some, uh, they've got some experience. So we're going to continue to see how that rolls. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, you know, they're they're living up to expectations as of now. Mm-hmm. They bounced back from the overtime loss to number two, um, Kansas. Right. But they but they they go on to reel off twelve straight games, and and they knocked off you know the top twenty five at the time number one Gonzaga, right. Um, and so that that's huge. Oh, and absolutely. Then that, now the two games that they won this past week with Arkansas and holding off Alabama, which was a little suspect, <laughs> but at the same time, man, when you're the sure. hunted, like you yeah. said, and you're not hunting, it's different. It's, it's a, different. It's a totally different game. But they moved to number one. Right. And it, it it it's a it's a good place for them to be, right? Um, so they're in a perfect position, um, and, and I like what Tennessee's doing right now. No doubt, man. No doubt. They, like I said, they deserve to be there for this week. So uh, you know, we just we'll give it up to them for this week. Yep. And this week start again. I know you, like you said, you kind of felt sick to your stomach a little bit, a little nauseous. Duke started by losing to Syracuse after getting a that clutch, you know, three pointer from Cam Reddish to send the Knowles. Uh, at the time uh, from last week, you know, kicked them out and, and at home in Tallahassee, which was a big win, and then they lose to Syracuse. Man, Syracuse was the half court from the half court shot going into halftime. It, right. it just seemed like everything that could go Syracuse's way did. And man, they played it. They played a good game. You got to give it for Syracuse for coming and punching your boys in the mouth. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the thing that you think about there is that they did it on our home floor. I mean, they came into Durham. They came into Cameron. They, they dealt with the Cameron crazies, and they were able to live up to it. Uh, Syracuse is a tough team. They play that they play that zone defense. We talked about them earlier in the year as they were, you know, they're, they're streaky on their on their outside shooting. But when they start hitting, they they can start putting down some shots and they didn't shoot out. the They didn't shoot out the out the gym or anything like yeah. that, but they did play well enough uh, and make enough baskets to win. Cam Reddish didn't play in that game. He was sick. Uh, he started feeling sick right before the game is what uh, is what I was reading up on. So then he was a no go. And then po- point guard Trey Jones goes down uh, about six minutes into the game with a with a shoulder injury, which was a which appeared to be really, really serious at the time and coming out of that game. Yeah. But has since then been kind of backed off and said he should be back uh, pretty soon. And I was telling some guys earlier this week as we were talking about this game, Trey Jones isn't the best player on our team, but he is the most important player oh, on man. our team. He, he's the one. He is our best on the ball defender. He is our he is the distributor of the basketball. He gets that offense running. When he's not on the floor, we've had to have R.J. Barrett running it. We've had to have Cam Reddish come running it. We've had to have uh, Zion Williamson. And when they have to set up the offense, it takes them out of being able to play off the ball, which completely changes everything about the game. But you're exactly right. Syracuse came in there. Even, they came in there, and they did what they needed to do to win that game into overtime and were able to get a win on, on Duke uh, the, on Monday night of last week. 
obviously if Trey Jones doesn't go out, Cam Reddish is playing, I don't see your team Duke losing that game. But at the end of the day, that's they lost. This, that that was the hand they were dealt. They yep. didn't win. And was what was crazier was old boy going over ten from three. <laughs> um and what, what what's this guy's name? You've talked not, about him earlier in the year. I'm not gonna say it. I'm, <laughs> I'm, not, just, I'm not saying I, I'm not, I didn't want to call I'm, him out. I didn't want to be the it. guy to call him out. I'm not saying it. <laughs> I didn't want to call him out. I, you, I'm He's, not gonna say it. He plays an important role, right? And and I'm, so I'm not gonna say it either, but I was like, look, I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep it hush, but I just wanted to say when you go 0 for 10, man, um you didn't help anybody out. No, 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 you didn't. So it's okay. But later on the week, the week got good, right? Reddish yeah. returns, and then Virginia. I mean, a lot of people. Man, I sat there and watched leading up to the game. Yep. You had Jason, your boy. Yeah. Jay Will went yeah. against them, said it he wasn't did. happening. He that, did. That Virginia, because there was Trey Jones, that that Duke couldn't do it. And guess yep. what Duke showed everybody? They showed the nation that they can still beat the number one defense in the nation because they got Zion. They got Barrett. <laughs> They yeah. they're more than one player, but in the are. day, if they had Trey Jones, it would. I I really think they could have made a bigger impact in this game. So I'm, it's confession time. I'll, I'm gonna throw a confession out there to you. I did not think Duke would win this game either. Uh, <laughs> I, I did. I mean, I didn't. I, if you'd have, if I'd have been putting money on it, I'd have put money on Virginia. Why? Because Trey Jones isn't playing. He's the engine that you know. He he's the one that's steering the ship. He's the, the engine that engine runs the that car. Could. Uh, uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But I, I tell you what, they hung in there, and uh, their Duke's defense, to me, really stepped up in this game, and yes. they were able to play well. Uh, Virginia Virginia does what Virginia does, man. They slow that game down, and they're making it into possessions. Duke was able to rebound in this game like I did not expect them to be able to do. Huge. And if Virginia has a weakness, man, that's that's definitely going to be it. They, they've got to keep people off the offensive boards, and they could not do that against Duke. They did that better in the second half but still weren't able to do that. And I tell you, golly, uh, the Duke, <laughs> Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett are the only two players that scored in the last 17 minutes of that game. <laughs> Ridiculous, right? Uh, it, it is insane. But those two guys right there, there, <laughs> there was no, uh, there, there no three-point shooting in this game. I think Virginia made three three-pointers in the game and Duke made two. Um, and, and, but, and there was, wasn't a whole lot of assist on either side of the point. Uh, on either side of the ball for either team, and it was just catch the ball, create, and go. And Duke was able to do that a little bit better than Virginia on Saturday night. Zion and Barrett willed that team to win this game. I agree. I'm 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 not saying the other players around them didn't take a part in this victory. No, yeah, they were good. I mean, they, they did what they needed to do. But. but when you're the only two players that score points in the last 17 some odd minutes of that game, you willed your team to a victory. And right. then when that dunk, I just got to talk about it. Every Go right I, ahead. we went bowling right for ahead. your dad's for your dad's birthday, right? And yeah. we we're with um, Jordan, and it's like everybody. Why? Why does everybody, you know, hype up Zion for dunking? I'm like, well, because he dunks one because he dunks like all the time. You don't see many right. players dunk as many times. I, I want to say he's an average of like two or three dunks a game. That's ridiculous. Right. Nobody just went over under about the number of dunks he was going to do in the Virginia game. <laughs> yeah, and nobody nobody does that. Like nobody just goes out there and dunks all the time. I mean, right. and he the, that one dunk, that power the dunk, sheer force. Oh my gosh! That the defender. I mean, sits there and tomahawk chops his arm, but his arm still goes forward. I'm like, what? Yeah. yeah. And he's and he slams it home like he did. Obviously, he falls on his butt. But at the end of the day, the way he threw that down. I'm like, geez, this kid is something special, and we said it from the beginning. When you have the top three players in the NBA draft on your team, 
you're you're in a good spot. And, and fortunately for your team and the Duke Blue Devils, they have that situation right now. And those two players, I mean, obviously you got four special players: Reddish, yeah. Trey Jones, Zion, and Barrett. But man, those two players by themselves are just ridiculous. And so I, I, I know we got to move on. I know we got to move on. But I got to say one thing. I got to say one thing real quick. In the Syracuse game, the dude, the dude from Syracuse took a charge from Zion as he was coming down the lane in the beginning part of that game. And if you haven't seen this thing, you need to go check out this thing online, on Twitter, on ESPN. Uh, check out the memes that go along with it. The <laughs> guy got, got destroyed. I don't know what he was doing. He's, he's, he, he, was, he was a couple inches taller than Zion, but he's 100 pounds less. Yeah. And he caught and got in the way of Zion. Zion. Zion got called for the charge, but the Joker's feet flew over his head. It knocked the kid out of the game, man. He didn't come back into the game after that play. Was that – did Zion foul out on that one? No, no, he didn't foul out. This okay. was okay. earlier on in the game, my, yeah. my, I don't like the way they call these big guys like LeBron. I mean, obviously NBA is different. Yep. But, I mean, they call – some of these things when Zion goes to the lane, it's like if he just touches you, you're like a flea to him. You're going to fly the off. Effect. It's, it's the Shaq effect. Yeah, it's the Shaq effect, and I hate it because yep. I'm like, this guy's humongous, dude. But you got to get out of the way. You got to be smart. But, I mean, it was a charge. I mean, it really was a charge. But the kid about died doing it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Take one. That's the way to take one for the team, right? And I didn't. I didn't see that play specifically, but yeah. I'll definitely have to go back and look. Oh, dude, it's ridiculous. So, man, we also had again Michigan. Yep. What was that? Wow. You know, yep. I mean, not not just like going. It it, it was a close game, but they lost right. by ten, man. Yep. Like to Wisconsin. Did you see that happen? I, no, absolutely not. Especially not against Wisconsin. Even though Wisconsin does play an interesting, uh, an interesting style, much like a Virginia team that's going to slow it down. So I mean, you, you know, you're going to give yourself a chance. We had, I think we talked about it last week or maybe the week before um, that that Michigan, you know, it seemed like it was, you know, it's still a really good team. It's still going to be a team that's there, you know, in in the end. Don't get me wrong, but it had seemed like it may have peaked a little bit too soon and had now kind of leveled out and was playing some really close games against some teams that you you know you wouldn't expect and and it was going to bite them in the butt at some point in time and it did against this uh, Wisconsin team. Yeah, and at the end of the day, when when we're looking at it in the top twenty-five in all, thirteen ranked teams would end up losing last week. Right. That includes that 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 includes Kansas, number yep. seven at the time. That includes the number eight Texas Tech. That doesn't include number nine Virginia Tech. I mean, that, it, that's just crazy when you look at it. I mean, the the Hokies were down one to number ten following a loss to Virginia. Florida right. State, my team, after we're mm. talking about they hadn't had a bad loss on the season, they <laughs> reel off two losses in a row to Pittsburgh and Boston College. I mean, yeah, and if you watch the Boston College game. Yeah, I believe there was like five people in the stands, and so <laughs> there. When, when I'm talking about home court advantage, I don't think there was one there, right? Right. But yeah. they put on a show. Brewer yeah. ended up scoring like 37 points. He went off from Florida State, but man, that sends my Knowles out of the top 25, and and rightfully so. You you lose yeah. two games like you did. I mean, I get it. You lose a Virginia, you lose a Duke. Those are acceptable losses. Those are two of the top their teams in the top five, right? Right. But you end up losing to Pittsburgh the way you lost. You end up losing to Boston College the way you lost. Man, you need to, and I'm so glad they're out of the top 25 because it's reality check, right? They have the talent. They have the players, yeah, yeah. but they got to play like they're in the top 25, and they're not doing that right now. The Seminoles are a top 10 team. Don't get me don't get me wrong. Obviously, they, did, they haven't played like it uh, this past week, 
But, uh, but but we'll see what happens. Let's see if this will be that reality check for them that'll kind of get those guys back in play, much like it happened to a team we're getting ready to talk about next with Kentucky. Yeah, with, with Kentucky, this was a team that we found themselves earlier in the year struggling. Yeah. And especially after the blowout loss to your boys. Um, and, and then this was a preseason number two team, guys. And they, they fall down to number 19. And now they're back up to number eight after beating number 14 Auburn, which was a huge win for oh, this man. team. And Crazy. now they got Georgia this week. They got games against number 22 Mississippi State and number nine Kansas coming up. So they have a big chance to make a huge splash and continue the upward movement. Oh, yeah. Kentucky's not going anywhere. They're going to be there. Uh, we're going to continue to watch and see how this thing plays. Yeah, without a doubt. So we got Maryland. Yep. I mean, winners of the seven straight had the biggest climb of the week. They're up six spots ahead of the Terrapins. They got number six Michigan State on Monday. Right. Tonight. Um, they got a trip to Madison Square Garden on deck on Saturday to face lowly Illinois. But number, number Kentucky, number 17, Houston, number 18, Villanova, and number 19, Iowa, they yep. each moved up four spots, which is huge movement for them, too. It's, uh, it's, it's it, you know, things are, you know, we're kind of getting into the time of the year now where we're starting to see, you know, who's the contenders and who's the pretenders and who how things are shaking out. So uh, you're kind of watching some of these teams move up a little by little. It was interesting to see Louisville just lay the smackdown on North Carolina this past week, right? Right. And they moved into the top 25 for the first time this season um, at number 23 following their wins over Boston College and Georgia Tech. But, man, that yep. North Carolina win was huge. Yeah, man. I, no, no, uh, I know I didn't see that one coming. So we got Ohio, Iowa State wins over Texas Tech and Oklahoma State, put the Cyclones back in that number 24 after they dropped um, to number 20 last week. And then LSU beat number 19, Mississippi and South Carolina last week to return to the poll at number 25, which, which is good. And Oklahoma and Florida State um, drop out of the top 25. <laughs> um, and so that that right there hurts my heart because I'm like, man, I see the talent Florida State has on that side of the floor, and they just ain't getting it done. Yeah, man. it's uh, they'll, I hope and I think that, they'll, that they will bounce back. It's time for them guys to start playing like they're supposed to. Uh, and we'll see what Coach Leonard Hamilton does with these boys this week. Yeah, when you start off 1-3 and three in the ACC, man, that's just a tough hill to climb, right? I mean, you've yeah. got, got to win early, especially some of these winnable games. Um, and, and, and being 1-3 and three or 1-4 and four instead of 2-3, and three, or, it, it goes a long way because you've got to pick some of these wins up against some of these winnable teams, especially when you go – I know when you go on the road, it's tough to win for anybody. Yeah, but at the end of the day, you got to come away with these wins, and you got to defend home court. I mean, uh, you know, you know, bottom line is there is that yeah, those rough, those road games are going to be hard, hard to come by. Even when even when you're playing against lesser tier competition, you got to win at home. So I came across an article on ESPN today and talked about what's real, what's fake, and who should really be number one. All right, because it's like we already mentioned, there is, you know, and, and and it comes down to it, there is no consensus number one right now. And that is real, right? Yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely, that's real. If you told me, if you, if I, if I had to make a decision right now, who I feel like should be or is the best team in the country right now, um, it would be. I mean, you got it. I mean, you, I don't know that. I don't know that I can pick one. I mean, I'm, pr I'm probably still going to sit there and say I still feel like Virginia uh, is the is the is still the best team in the country. Um, but <laughs> we'll see what happens. I, I don't I don't know. Tennessee deserves to be there right now, obviously, because Virginia lost. But I mean, they went into Cameron. I know they were down Trey Jones, but they went into an extremely hostile environment and uh, and were able and, and almost and almost still knocked off Duke at that point. 
Yeah, that's true. I, I just think when you have a team like Duke and, and seeing what they're capable of doing, you have Michigan, even though they lose to Wisconsin, you know, they, they have 15, Michigan themselves have 15 double digit wins this season. That's right. huge, right? Oh, yeah. But at the yeah. end of the day, the, the way that they ended up losing in double digits with Wisconsin just was not a good look for them. Right. But Tennessee is definitely in a position right now that they deserve to be number one the way they're playing with their only loss being Kansas, which at the time was good. And then Kansas has been a little bit of a funk. Right. But, man, when you get Trey Jones coming back for Duke, I just think at the end of the day, if I was going to pick a number one overall team right now and, and, and one of the most exciting teams to watch, Right. It has to be the Duke Blue Devils. I can I can see I can see going with Virginia, leaning toward, towards Virginia. They have that defense. They have the shooters this year that can win them games. But at the end of the day, man, when 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 you have somebody like Trey Jones missing from the Duke lineup, and then Duke can still beat a good good Virginia team, your, your team is good, man. Hey man, I'm just trying not to jinx my team, and I prefer that you don't do it either. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, I will. I will not talk about Duke for the rest of the year. No, we ain't got to do that. I'm just saying. <laughs> Wait a minute now. I'm All right, saying. man. So what? What do you think here? We have, and this was another point in the article as well. Michigan's loss at Wisconsin is proof that the Big Ten is overrated. Is that real or is that fake? Yeah. Uh... <laughs> That is real to an extent. Okay, I got it. I got it. it. It's real in the sense that the Big Ten is not a, a top tier. It doesn't have a, the top tier talent that you would think that it would normally have. However, I don't think that that means Michigan's fake, and I don't believe that that means Michigan State is fake either. I believe you're gonna. I, I believe both of those teams right there are gonna make some noise against everybody as the year continues to progress. Yeah, and when you look at it, the Big Ten still at the end of the day is probably going to send at least ten teams to the NCAA tournament, right? And so <laughs> on name alone, <laughs> on just name alone. So. That, that's a cool thing. So another thing, and I don't know if you saw this, but I watched the Texas game. Matthew yeah. McConaughey is just doing his job. Did you see him <laughs> tell – he's sitting there, his orange blazer. Oh, he's my tell, He's telling the team to get up get up because, yeah. you know, it's like, come on, man, you got to get up. He Supposedly he's one of the, you know, one of them – one of those uh hey volunteer i don't know what he is man but he's right. he's over there in the huddle he's over there he's between plays he's getting into it man but it's one of those things he's an actor you know it's funny seeing him tell the players to stand and support their team during saturday's win over oklahoma right. um, and, and i think it just shows that this kid this guy no matter him being an actor or on on the sideline he can he can still get some attention right all right, all right, all right. You know, what I'm <laughs> I mean, uh, what are you gonna? I mean, uh, sure. What? I mean, whatever. I, this, uh, whatever, man. I, I got nothing. I got nothing on this. It was funny, uh, but at the same time, it's kind of like uh, I don't. I don't know, man. You might uh, hope, hope Shaka doesn't mind. Yeah, because I'm sitting here looking, and it's like you know, the basketball team's new miniature of culture as yep. it prepares to move for, to a new arena in 2021. The school has not defined the actor's official duties. <laughs> I, I would I would really want to know what a minister of culture is. Yeah, so but he embraced his role it seemed like on, you know, this past, this past weekend, right? No doubt. No doubt. So let's look at no reason to be concerned about Kansas. Is this fake or real? Oh, this is absolutely fake, man. You're, if you're a Kansas fan, you need to be 100% concerned about your team right now because it is headed downhill rapidly. Uh, yes, without a doubt. Let's look at Virginia. Is this fake or real? Virginia should not be defined by its loss to UMBC and other NCAA tournament shortcomings. 
Oh, this is real. This is uh, this this is 100% real. Listen, hey, the the great thing about college basketball is that it's one game. You got one shot. You uh, yeah, that, that's what it is. This is a different team that plays extremely differently than than last year's team. Uh, don't let don't let Saturday's loss fool you or anything like that. I mean, you're playing against what some believe to be the best team in the country. Uh, Tony Bennett will have his team ready to play, and they they will not suffer another uh, quick out in the uh, in in the tournament this year. I don't see that happening again, but man, again, college basketball is crazy. I agree. And at the end of the day, it could happen. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, okay. Yes, it, it could happen. But I mean, at, at, at the same time, I could get hit by a bus tomorrow. That, yeah, but, that could happen. But we were, we were probably having the same conversation last year, right, about Virginia. Nope. Like, I, w- I wasn't sold on Virginia. Really? I, actually picked, I actually picked Virginia. I didn't predict Virginia to lose in that game. Well, that's I what I'm saying. To, well, no, I predicted well, to lose in the next round. Because I, I, I don't think you're going to – when you fill out your bracket later in the year, regard, take, take Duke out of the equation. If right. you fill out your bracket, right. and you want to be honest, take, take that you're a fan from Duke out of the equation yeah. for this one, for this one uh, point – but do you have Virginia going all the way to the end? Just right now, if, if you felt your bracket out right now, they started March Madness right there. Do you have Virginia going all the way to the end? Yes. You do, really? Yeah. I mean, take it, if I'm taking Duke out, then yes. Well, no, I'm not. I'm I not just saying told take, you that I thought they were the best no, team in the country. Well, so no, I'm not saying take Duke out. I'm just saying take you being a Duke fan out of the equation. Right. You know, okay. When you no. look at it, just from a no. pure bas- love for basketball. No, I've got Duke. I mean, no, I'll have Duke winning it all. Even if you weren't a Duke fan. Even if I wasn't a Duke fan, yeah. I mean, me too. I'm not a Duke fan, yeah. but I have them. Yeah. I have them going all because the way. Because I think the Duke, I think the Duke has the, uh, and I think as the year progresses, we're going to continue to see this. How that they have the caliber, caliber of player, and you saw it a little bit on Saturday night. How they could switch like nobody. They switch all five positions. Everybody can defend on this year's team, which is something we've been missing in the last couple of years. So you can switch and you can rotate and you can get out on the shooters that that Virginia has, and they can out rebound you. So yeah, I think that's going to be something that Virginia's going to struggle with. But I don't feel like that we can look at last year's team and the fact that they lost in the first round. They were the first 16 seed to ever lose. Uh, I mean, they were the first one seed to ever lose to a 16 seed. How we can hold that against this year's team? That's true. I mean, that's true. So let's talk about one of the biggest surprises before we close this, this episode. And, and Scott Drew and Baylor. I mean, I, when you look at it, they're doing big things right now, man. They're racking up wins over Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and Texas Tech on, on this past Saturday, and yep. basically has helped create this log jam at the top of the conference. And Baylor right now was not expected to do what they're doing right now and they're looking good. Yeah, I mean I, I think it's kind of I think it's hard to argue with that that the Baylor is the biggest surprise of the year. Uh, I would be hard pressed to come up with with another team that's as as bigger of a surprise than Baylor. I can come up with some other surprises. I can come up with some other teams that are doing better than expected. I just don't know that they are that they're in that same stratosphere as Baylor at this point. Yeah, man. So is there I just that right there is going to wrap up this episode and I'm just yep. looking man it's just crazy, right? How this whirlwind of this past, just this past week alone in college basketball was just had my jaw on the floor the whole week. And it, it seemed like every day I was looking or, or following a game and, and nothing really played out the way I, I expected it to. No, man, I'm glad that I wasn't having to pick games this week. Uh, I, I don't know if that's something we should start looking at or not, but uh, man, I was, if I'd had to pick games, I would have been all over the map on this one. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, it's one of those things I would have been, I would have missed. And that's what I typically do when I'm going in, I'm watching sit regardless if it's a team I follow or not. If I'm, yeah. if it's on, I'm watching typically. And so sure. I'm like, I already got somebody that, you know, I'm like, okay, th- they should win this game. And then there were so many, they should win this game and they did not win this game. Right. A hundred percent. All right, brother. Well, that wraps up episode 19, man. I appreciate you jumping on again. Um, Appreciate you um, having some conversation with me, and it was awesome, like always. 
Yeah, man, I appreciate it. It's been another good week, and, uh, man, I appreciate all your help getting all this stuff together, doing all the research and stuff that we have, and, man, it was another fun night. No worries, man. So, guys, thank you so much for listening to Episode 19 of the College Sports Hour. Make sure to check out and subscribe to the College Sports Hour on Radio Republic or iTunes. Our podcast can be found on other platforms such as Spotify, Google Play Music, TuneIn Radio, HearsMediaGroup.com. Make sure to like and follow us on Facebook, guys. We continue to try to grow our audience. We want to give a special shout-out, like always, to our family and friends to include all of our listeners, our followers, and subscribers. Thanks for continuing to support what we do. And don't forget, guys, to join us next week for another episode of the College Sports Hour.